Welcome to the FPL Blues Podcast. On this preseason episode, your hosts, Brian and Bucks, are going to break down the midfield position. This often is the most important spot in FPL. They tend to go biggest when they haul. And over the course of a season, historically, midfielders are the best four points in the game. So we're excited to be here, excited to keep it ticking towards the start of the season. How are you doing tonight, Brian? It's midfield mania time. Entering the ring, Bucks, we have some of the top players in the game to discuss tonight. We cannot wait to break it down for our listeners and really help you prepare for your game week one squad building. You're only going to be allowed to select five of them, which is a real bummer, because if it was up to me, I think I would pick 15 midfielders. <laughs> Bucks, I know that's one of the chips that we keep telling uh, yeah, they got to just change it up, allow and... us to free free roll and just put it on any 15 players we want. That would be super fun. And uh, I think that would be a real major curveball thrown into the game. That would be <laughs> a, a real fun chip to add for next season. Well, we we definitely love our midfielders and there are a lot to choose from, especially in the 8.0 range. So super excited to compare those guys. And I think we'll just have to start from the top. Let's break down the premiums. The ultra yeah, without further actually. ado, let's start with the best player at FPL that I've ever witnessed. And that is one Muhammad Salah, the Egyptian king. He is the superest of super premiums coming in this season at 13 million of 100 million total squad budget. And honestly, he's underpriced because he could be 15 <laughs> or 16 million. He would still be locked in my side. Oh, calm down with the 15 or 16. 14 is the max that I would be willing to pay for him. But 13, he gets a small price rise of 0.5 heading into this season, coming off of 23 goals and 13 assists, both which led the league. He's an all-around playmaker, and we cannot wait to see him take even more shots now that Mane is not on the side for Liverpool anymore. So we expect him to be in every single team. And if you are considering going without him, just know that you're betting against, again, the most proven FPL asset of all time and a player who just renewed his contract and wants to keep on ticking along. So his name is in the record books forever in the Premier League. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning that Salah gets to play against newly promoted side Fulham in game week one. Where Oh, he- my goodness, Bucks. I'm salivating already. That's got the big armband written all over it. Oh, of course. He is... He's not only a great captaincy option in game week one, but he's one of the players in FPL and in the Premier League that really could justify getting the captaincy armband each and every game week matchup, not even being considered. He's just that good. He's so clinical. He has so many ways to score. And you know what? He got 265 points in the FPL game last season. And the way that he was ticking on in the first half of the season, that was actually a disappointment, which is crazy to think about because he really could have broken the all-time record going above 300 points for an FPL season for only, I think, the third time ever. Yeah, I think AFCON really derailed his extremely hot start, but still ended up with huge tallies. And he was a great captaincy option for the first 20 plus game week. So he's a player that you should, ha- you should have on your side to start because Liverpool has easy fixtures. You're looking at Fulham, Crystal Palace, United. That's easy. And then they play Bournemouth in game week four. Great start for Liverpool and a player that should definitely be in your FPL team. 
let's keep it moving, Buck. Agreed. And and just one more thing before we move on. He's 58% owned at this moment in time. Um, again, we're still about two and a half weeks out from the start of the season. So he's going to start the season at around 60% ownership. And he's likely going to be captained by most of that 60% of managers. So you are really, really fading the public if you are going against Salah. If you are going no Salah, I have no issue and no soggy sorrows for you when you get punished going into game week two. Yeah, there's the ad age phrase where you can't win FPL in the first game week, but you can lose it. And if you don't have Salah and he goes for a hat trick like he did in game week one of last season, versus this weak Fulham defensive side, you could be 40 points in the hole if you're other captain blank. So definitely have him in your squad. And uh, it's just crazy that he's only 58% owned, whereas the likes of Holland, who has never played a game in the Premier League in his life and is still almost basically a teenager, he's at like 67%. So uh, don't fade Salah, get him in your squad. But if you are considering an alternative, Sonny boy, One of my favorite players coming off of his first golden boot, really riding the momentum with this Spurs team and Conte. He was so clinical last season, and I expect this to continue as the depth at Tottenham has really improved over the offseason. And I think that's only going to improve the types of chances that Sun gets. He gets a huge price rise to 12 million. So I think he's a player that I will be looking to add during those really easy fixture runs, but not to start the season. What are you thinking here with our good son, son? (laughs) (laughs) Nice one. Uh, Yeah, he's coming off his best ever season, 23 goals tied with Mo Salah for the Golden Boot, uh, top scorer. He is the first Golden Boot winner ever of Asian descent in the Premier League, which is a massive uh, feather in his cap. And Hey, represent. Yeah, the real thing why you might be considering bringing in Sun alongside Salah or even in place of Salah is the fact that he really performed at an exceptionally high level in the year 2022. Once the calendar flipped over into the new year, he was a man on fire. He scored tons of goals. He was a regular uh, FPL superstar and just under Conte. The entire Spurs offense looks like a completely transformed side. They are really clicking. And as you mentioned, Brian, I expect they're only going to be more clinical, more explosive with the addition of Richarlison and some of the other transfer moves that they've made. So 12 million, yes, he got a significant price bump, but I think if he scores 200, 230 points again this season, uh, you know, that 12 million is going to be an easy thing to stomach. And we're going to be looking for, a lot of pathways to fit him into our side. Yeah, I mean, anything over 200 points is considered a really positive FPL season. And even at 12 million, it's just the fact that you can captain him and his ceiling is literally four goals. Like there there are times last year where he had three shots and got a hat trick and got you massive points in FPL. Um, Explosive captaincy option, definitely a player that is on the top of my watch list, but will not be in my game with one side. Yeah, I, I had him as my captain for that three-shot, three-goal performance. Oh, that was pretty baby. ludicrous. Um, just for some stats, he had seven assists in addition to those 23 goals, so 30 goal involvements to the tune of 258 FPL points. However, Sun was one of the players that overperformed 
his advanced stats by the most in the league. So he was expected to actually notch 17 goals based on the kind of expected goal metric. And he had 23. So he outscored that by six. Whereas there were some players like Brian Mbomo, who uh, is on Brentford, who hit the post seven times. So some of those were expected goals. So you can oh, just don't, see that. Don't remind son, us about uh, Mbomo. Uh, <laughs> we don't need to talk about him this pod. This is midfield mania. Listen, his mom asked that I could include him in the in the premium discussion. You know, she really loves him and thinks he's special. So I had to give him a quick name drop. Let's go on to the next talisman of the FPL game. That is one Belgian waffle, KDB, Kevin De Bruyne. He's also comes in at 12 million and plays for the best attacking team in the league. And that is one Man City. Last season, he had 15 goals and eight assists. And I think really... He only had 196 points, which is a little shocking. I expected he would have more, but I think that's just because he also played so many minutes in Champions League and in other competitions where City became a little more focused on that in the middle part of the season. What do you think on KDB, Brian? I mean, no waffling here, Bucks. He gets a 0.5 price rise. <laughs> it, it, is, it is odd to see him priced more than Holland, but this is, again, just the pedigree of the player and he's he's the engine for this entire Manchester City team he is the leader of the pack there and um, honestly I think other than that Wolves performance where he scored four goals I think he would have came in at the same price but uh, I think that really helps sway his numbers but we're expecting his assist tally this season to probably be larger than his goal tally because Holland's going to be on the other end of a lot of his passes and his creativity. So a great asset to have, but again, I think uh, based on the lack of forwards, we're seeing a lot of teams go with Holland up top instead of Kane in the midfield and saving that 0.5. So uh, can't, can't blame the preseason hype on Holland. I think it's deserving, but for now, Kevin De Bruyne stays on uh, the watch list as well. KDB has the proven Premier League pedigree, and he's really been the longest tenured player under Pep Guardiola. He's really shined as the kind of magician in the middle for City, and he does have that explosive capabilities. I mean, he had four goals in 24 minutes in that game week 35 match that you referenced. And I just think that right now he's going a little bit under the radar because obviously Holland is the shiny new toy to come to the Premier League. And right now, KDB is hovering around 15% ownership, whereas Holland is all the way above 60%, which is a massive differential uh, for two guys that play in the same team. So Ah, I think KDB is worth a punt if you're looking for a punt. Yeah, I mean, he's not a punt because he shits bonus points. He literally eats up all nice. <laughs> of the advanced bonus baseline bonuses and his completed passes, his chance creation, the fact that he's on a lot of corners. He gets an assist and he's on eight points for you So um, because City also cleans so much. So definitely a player that will be in our sides at some point throughout the season. And again, we're just waiting to see how their attack looks with some changes up top. You know, we're going to talk about the other 8.0 midfielders in this bracket under City as well. But we're just a bit of a wait and see. I mean, we haven't even seen City play in preseason yet. So Community Shield will be a big moment for us to understand how they're going to line up and what their formation looks like and really how the advanced role that De Bruyne appoints. 
Yeah, it's worth mentioning that if City and Liverpool swap their opening fixtures, right? City is going to play at West Ham for their opening match, a tough, tougher opponent, and Liverpool travel to play against Fulham. If those were reversed, I could see Salah and KDB's ownership being reversed as well because it's really easy to see captain KDB swap to Salah. And so I think that's the fact that the schedule really makes it a no-brainer, that you're just going to go Salah right out of the gate skip Sun and KDB, wait till you see them prove it with form and locking up uh, who's around them in the side. And then at that point, a little bit later in the season, when we hit some strong green patches for Spurs and for City, they could become more serious uh, candidates to unseat Salah as kind of the first name in your team sheet. Speaking of team sheets, Bucks, last year, Bruno Fernandez was by far and away on everyone's FPL teams. He's coming off of a down season and gets a huge price reduction to only 10 million. This could be actually a player that comes into our thoughts, especially if Ronaldo leaves and he takes pens once again. Bucks, he is a talisman, 27 years old, and we're expecting United to have a bit of a bounce back here. Uh, Obviously not in Champions League, so they'll be in Europa and have a little bit easier time there. What are your thoughts on Bruno potentially bagging 20 plus returns? this season well i should say that bruno fernandez is one of the most divisive players between the two hosts on this podcast i really do not rate him as a talisman type player and i know brian you think very highly of him i think that we were lulled into believing that he can be a real elite goal scorer because he had so many penalty kick goals. And obviously, if he gets that responsibility back, that changes the conversation. But right now, Cristiano Ronaldo still is a Man United player. And when he plays for them, I expect he will be the one taking the penalty kicks. However, I think that the bringing in of Ericsson and moving off Pogba is really going to help Bruno's game. I think he loves to go forward and he needs someone to be the connecting pass that then he is the kind of through ball provider. And Bruno Fernandez, even in an otherwise down year for Man United, led the league in through balls. And I think that when you swap out Ronaldo and you put a lot more collective team speed around him, we're going to see that assist tally really tack up. And I think he's going to see a resurgence in the FPL game. Last year, he had 10 goals and six assists for 151 points. That was a massive flop for a player who scored 18 goals and 12 assists just the season before. So I'm expecting we're going to level off somewhere in the middle there. Bucks, Bruno was the second highest chance creator of all players in FPL last season, only topped by De Bruyne, I believe. So you have to think that the likes of Martial, Rashford, Sancho, all just have a better season than the nightmare they had last year. And maybe some of those other guys actually step up this season and um, he gets uh, three to five more assists, which would put him you know, much more in line for bonus points and for overall points in the FPL game. So definitely a player and a price tag that I really like because you can also switch him with Raheem Sterling, Chelsea Blues, new player, new attacker, new winger. Bucks break down the odd career change from many, many titles at City, previously at Liverpool, and now in London with Chelsea. What are your prospects and thoughts on Raheem Sterling being an FPL option this season? 
Oh, I rate it. I think that he's only 27. He was uh, tipped as being Thomas Tuchel's top target uh, in the transfer window. So I think he's just entering uh, his prime. He really can um, even go bigger than his already proven track record of playing for big clubs. He's played in tons of massive matches. He's been on Liverpool. He's won four out of the last five league titles playing for City. He's uh, regular in Champions League. And He's actually has the most goal involvements ever under Pep Guardiola, only behind one Lionel Messi. Uh, so that's pretty good company. He's even above Aguero, even above KDB. So this is a real proven clinical goal scorer. And I think he's going to get nothing but opportunity at Chelsea. He's definitely nailed as the starter uh, out wide on the wing in their attack. And I think he's going to get tons of minutes. He's not going to have to worry about rotation and I even think that he might have a chance to be the penalty kick taker for Chelsea uh, once the season really gets off and started. And so I just really rate that he's a great influence on the rest of the side. And I think he's going massively under the radar. He's only 7.5% owned right now. I could see him getting 23 to 28 goal involvements this season. And all right, all has, right, calm down, calm down. Well, he down. has the pedigree this, because he, you know, he only had 13 goals and five assists last season, but he has shown us he's put up 20 goals in a season before. So he definitely has that in his locker. Yeah, it's a fair shout. Obviously, we're a little bit, um, a little bit biased on the Chelsea attack being a little bit better than last year, but at times they were stuck in the mud. So we need a player like him to come in and really be more clinical than the other wingers that we've had trouble with, like Werner. Uh, Kai is missing big chances over his time here, Pulisic. We just need somebody to be clinical up top, but I love the fact that he can press as well. That'll really help him earn minutes under Tuchel. And overall, when you look at Chelsea and when you have a new owner come in and they make a couple big splashy signings, you expect them to play uh, a lot of a ton of minutes. So if he gets under 2,800 minutes this season at Chelsea, I'd be very surprised. So hopefully that uptick in minutes and overall responsibility to provide goals and assists in Tuchel's side compared to Pep's side will result in more FPL points for us. Uh, Bruno Fernandez and Man United have been flying high in preseason. They look exceptional under new coach Eric Ten Hag. They're really adapting nicely to his system. Whereas Raheem Sterling has really yet to play a minute for Chelsea. Um, so there's still a lot of unknowns there. And I think Chelsea and Man United are both still figuring out their overall transfer plan uh, in this window. Um, so I think there's a lot of prove it from both these guys. And they're in a price point where if you're not starting with them, you're really going to have to tinker to get to them. So um, both worth considering both going uh, under 10% owned at this point in time. Yeah. Wait and see. Let's see how their first four matches play out four to six matches. And then on that first wild card, which we estimate a lot of managers will use around game week five to eight, these guys could come into your FPL thoughts. So keep them high up on your radars. All right, let's take our first break. When we come back, we'll get into the high ceiling players between 8.5 and 8 million. All right, we are back to discuss the plethora of options in this midfield mania price bracket of 8.5 to 8.0. We'll start with Jared Bowen first, 8.5. I really wish they would have priced him in the group at 8.0 with the other lads but he really was deserving of this huge price 
rise after registering 12 goals and 17 FPL assists. I mean, he had attacking output that was unforeseen by many managers, but we really rode high on him a few times. Captain, he was a captaincy option in double game weeks. I think I captained him for 42 points in one of the big doubles. Uh, truly a player who seems to have emerged at West Ham and is now their talisman. And especially at his age of 26, looking to continue this momentum and be an FPL stud. Unfortunately, their fixtures are very tough to start the season. So I haven't seen him in like any drafts. What are your thoughts here on Mr. Jared Bowen? Yeah, I'm expecting big things from him this season. Uh, he really smashed onto the scene um, after being left out of the Euro side for England. And I don't think he's going to be left out of many international competitions from here on till retirement. Uh, he really proved himself. And I think he's hungry to prove it once again this season in advance of the World Cup, where he's going to hope to be a regular player uh, under Southgate. So I think this is a big season for him, to say the least. And I yeah, just, and Bucks, I just, just like thinking about the eye test last season, there were so many times where at the end of matches, he was making those long sprints to get behind the defense where that used to be somebody like Antonio, but he's actually super fit um, 25 turning 26 this year. And I think that really helped him turn on the afterburners and get a lot of cheap goals and uh, assists where he was sprinting behind the center back defense. Uh, just ultimately it was super impressive last season. So I'm hoping he can come back in our thoughts at some point and hopefully get about 15 to 20 FPL returns. That would be a, a pretty solid return at that 8.5 million price tag. But it's just so hard that he's half a million more than the next category that we're going to talk about, which includes all of the great options at 8.0. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning that that 0.5 million here is a lot harder to squeeze out than it is in some other positions. And I think the fact that they start facing off against the league champions, City, is a big turnoff for a lot of FPL managers. Even though I think Bowen did play quite well against City last season, it's just that's a terrible way to be looking at your game week one side and be like, I'm excited for this guy to start right from the gates uh, against the league's best defense. That's not a punt or a differential you often want to be backing. Yeah, I mean, looking at the last game of the season, Bucks, he had a brace versus City mm -hmm. in, in a match where City needed to get the win or the draw. So he, he definitely has provided in the past um, versus City because of the counterattacking style that West Ham can play. But uh, yeah, I would, I would mark him as a player that will definitely come in your thoughts later in the season when they have a, a nice purple patch. But paying another half million more than this next group is, is tough. So of the 8.0s, we're just going to list a bunch of them off quickly, and then we'll discuss who are our top picks. We have Diaz, Saka, Mount, Mares, Foden, and Kulu, all at, oh, and Madison. Can't and Madison. Madison at 8.0 this is a huge amount of players and i'm so happy that fpl grouped all these lads together so we can hopefully move between them throughout the season in one move or at least maybe pick up some price rises too because these guys have potential written all over them who is your favorite out of these lads to start the season so brian i should confess i know we were a little crunched for time before we started but i've actually listed them in what i think is my order of preference so for me my top three is luis diaz one 
Bakayo Saka two and Mason Mount three. And the only reason I have Luis Diaz at the top is I just think the world of Liverpool's attack. And I think that he's so nailed for minutes, especially with this news that Jota is dealing with an injury in preseason. So he hasn't even been able to train. That's huge. So he's, he's locked. He's going to be nailed. And he is just such a force. He plays really well alongside Rabo. They're able to interplay where he goes out wide. So he's kind of forgotten about at the edge of the box, whereas Rabo is diving into the box. He takes a ton of shots. He was second only to Mo Salah in total shots taken from when he joined the Premier League in the winter transfer window. So this guy is the best version of selfish that we want from an FPL goal scorer. So he only had four goals and three assists last season, but I think that there's only upside with this player. And if he can stay fit, he's going to get at least 20 goal involvements. He's coming in on the left where he has less competition as well. We think that we're going to see the likes of Darwin Nunez down the middle with Salah on the right. And then Jota also playing down the middle. So he just has a little bit less competition with Mane gone. They brought him into the side to really be the future of that side of the pitch. And this is a player that the only kind of concerns I have are that a lot of his shots are from very far out. I was listening to the the great lads at FML FPL, and they were talking about one of Mane's expert um, traits that has really um, not been discussed a ton was that he really finds the way to get close to goal and to finish um, those poaching opportunities. Whereas Diaz's average shot distance was 16 yards. So about 50 feet, that, that is not anywhere close to the goal. And that's why he had some trouble finishing last season where we were seeing him take a lot of shots, but they were spraying left wide above the bar. So something that we hope to improve on as he grows into the premier league and gets used to the way that the center back pairings really track him down. I don't think he's ever going to be a captaincy option for my team. Uh, but And he's definitely not a bonus point monster like Salah is. The thing is, really, the decision you have to make with Diaz is, are you going to get him or are you going to get Rabo? Because you probably want to start the season with a triple up on Liverpool. So I'd say the only question about Diaz as an FPL player is, do you think he's more valuable than Rabo? That's really the only decision. I don't even think that you're deciding between him and the other 8 million mids. It's really just who are the three Liverpool players you want in your side. Yeah, completely fair because we view the top assets at Liverpool to all be nailed. So I I agree with you there. I think that we're going to have a tough time figuring out who is the best, but I I always lean towards defense. I love the wingbacks, but Diaz should have a a big season this year. And if he, if he does, it'll be disappointing. It'll definitely be disappointing. So, all right, Bucks, let's move on. Let's talk about one more player, Mr. Saka at Arsenal. A lot of us were thinking about having him in our drafts for game week one, and then Jesus rained down from the heavens. So now we're seeing him be less popular. What are your thoughts here on Saka? Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Well, Saka is a player that was just informed pretty much all of the last two years. He had a tremendous Euros competition for England, and he really carried that through uh, to Arsenal, where he became their talisman. He ended up delivering 11 goals, seven assists for 179 FPL points. He took over penalty kick responsibilities in the second half of the season. And I think he is the first name in the Arsenal team sheet on the right wing. Um, I don't think he has any real competition there at all. And the real thing that I think is important for 
Saka is the fact that the team is now much stronger around him. So that's my thought. And I think that because of that, because of his nailedness, because of the attacking threat that I think Arsenal now have, he's going to be great value at 8 million. And he's not too expensive where you can't even think about doubling up on Arsenal attack with Gabriel Jesus also at 8 million. So 16 million for a team that's going to score a bunch of goals, not the worst way to spend your FPL budget. I definitely agree that Saka is a solid option. I can't wait to find out what press member asks Arteta who is on pens, because that would be very helpful to understand between Saka and Jesus or even Martinelli and who's on pens, because there are some good options in a young Arsenal attack that is improving. I think the Jesus signing really actually helps Saka long-term because he was getting the shit kicked out of him towards the last like five or six games. And after he's played the most minutes of his career, that was really starting to take a toll. Um, So having a player like Jesus, who is not only a goal threat, but also a good passer and pretty creative, I think it's a good compliment for Saka coming off the right and cutting into his left foot. So I think looking at his price tag, very fair price for him and somebody that will either be in my game week one squad or will come in at a different point in the season. But overall, you and I are pretty, pretty bullish on the attack this year for the likes of Arsenal and just their opportunities moving forward. But I, I am curious to see how they manage um, kind of European action and what that does for players like Saka, who are, are really relied on game week in and game week out. It's one Mason Mount. He plays for our favorite team. He is one of my favorite players to watch. And I think now that he's in full fitness, he is well deserving of this 8 million price tag coming off. 11 goals and 10 assists for 169 hey yo, FPL points last season. Um, he's not so flashy, but guy gets it done. And every coach that he plays under, he really shines for. So uh, I just really rate him. He's not going to make my game week one team, but he's definitely on my watch. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how he links up with Sterling throughout the season. Have another guy that he can work with around the box, especially when teams park the bus against Chelsea. That was one of the most difficult things for Chelsea to do last season was when a team did park the bus, we just did not have enough clinical finishers or the wherewithal to figure out how to break that down. So uh, Mount many routes and avenues to points. He's on some free kicks. He's going to be on uh, corners from the right side. He's pretty good from far distances in open play. And he was a flat track bully. I think this was really interesting to see that, you know, he had so many of his goal involvements against those bottom teams. So even though he doesn't seem to be explosive, he had game weeks where he had 16 to 24 points uh, multiple times. So he's, he's a player to definitely watch, especially when we get a sense of how this attack looks when Sterling is in there as well. So we can see, but can't wait for that. And he's um, a player that will be in the eye of the storm when England goes to the World Cup. Chelsea do have a really favorable opening fixture run. I think they're being a little bit slept on. Everyone's talking about their defense. Uh, Mendy, obviously, their goalie comes in at $5 million, which is a very appealing price tag. And the wingbacks, Reese James and Ben Chilwell, both come in at $6 million. But I think Sterling, Mount, and even Havertz are going well under the radar. These guys are going to have tons of opportunity to go at goal. And I think Mason Mount at 10% ownership right now um, is a player that 
should not be that low owned. And I think uh, he's making a strong case to maybe supplant Sokka in my team. Uh, I'm just not brave enough to do it just yet. Yeah, the pens sway it for potentially for Sokka, but uh, let's keep it moving here, Bucks. Let's talk about the two lads at City. And we're talking about Riyad Mahrez and Phil Foden. So with the departures of Jesus, Jesus, and also with Sterling gone, there's less competition for these spots. What are your thoughts here on both Mares and Foden and who gets more FPL points this upcoming season? So if you're asking me who's going to get more total points, I think that's going to end up being Phil Foden. However, I think Mares is going to outscore Foden in the opening six game weeks because there will be no demands of international competition. And as you mentioned, the competition has really been brushed off to other corners of the Premier League, to other clubs. And Mares, if he does not snatch and hold on to that right wing role with every ounce of force in his body, then he really doesn't deserve to be a city player at the end of the day. This guy is so good. And the only thing holding him back is fitness and selection because he just doesn't play enough minutes. And if he's going to get 75 minutes, he's going to score a goal every 90 minutes. The guy is just so clinical. And I love the way I mean, he goes for goal. I probably has one of the best left fit feet in the game. He's one of my favorite players to have on free hit. I mean, honestly, he he's like the perfect guy that you're like, all right, if I get two points from him, I'll just own him for like one week, but he could spike 21 points. Like he could go bonkers. So uh, it, it's tough to see him play less minutes, but he's in Pep's starting 11 for Champions League. And I think with the departure of Jesus and, and also with Sterling, he could get a lot more minutes. So definitely a player to watch, but we've seen at times where he'll rattle off three double-digit performances in five games, and then Mares just won't play for three straight matches. So that's the most frustrating thing about him. If he's on any other team, he gets a consistent 2,700-plus minute uh, season. But in Pep's side, you never know. So I would really pivot to Phil Foden because Foden can play on the left or the right. And I think that's his versatility. That's the way he can be creative. He's not as goal threatening as we would like him to be, but at 8 million, the assurance of starts, especially if he links up really well with his other 20 uh, something year olds in, um, in Holland, it could be FPL gold at 8 million. That or the Manchester city club scene could be discovering a whole new bag of gold because I know Phil Foden loves to party. And uh, I'm actually stunned to see that Maris had 11 goals and five assists and Foden only had nine goals and five assists. I definitely would have told you that Foden had more goal involvements than Maris did last season, just by the <laughs> vibes. And that really isn't true. So it's just amazing. Again, you have to look at the amount of minutes played. And Maris is one of the best players in the world at goal involvements per 90 minutes. I mean, he just doesn't yeah, play true. enough regular Good minutes. Nuggets. So um, I think that if you're going to have Maris, you need to have him from game week one because there's going to be a lot of flip-floppers going from game week one to game week two, moving off a player like Diaz to maybe capitalize on Mares for their match against Bournemouth in game week two at home. So he's currently only 5% owned in the FPL game. And if you want to have him for game week two and have him be differential, the time to have him is from the jump. 
So uh, he would be a player I would not be skipping if I want to have him long-term. Okay, Bucks, the last two players in this price bracket are Kulu and James Madison. So I like what you've done here, putting Kulu ahead of Madison just because of the fixtures that James Madison faces to start the season. He's their talisman, and he dazzled for 12 goals and 10 FPL assists last season for a whopping 181 points. So super impressive season. And he was a player that it was really tough to own last season because of all their European commitments. And you just didn't know about his minutes. And then he just came back in the the last 25% of the season, multiple, you know, 12 to 16 point hauls, two goals, one assist, um, just was playing a lot of more attacking football where he was farther up the pitch. Um, he's a player that I really like because he's on set pieces. He's on some corners and that helps you get FPL points. So what are your thoughts here between both Kulu and James Madison? So Kulu, we know less about, but I think it's safe to say he's on the better team. I think full expectation is that Spurs are going to be more, a better team. They're going to be a better attacking unit than Lester is. However, Madison is probably the actual better player in real life. He has more on his shoulder. He is the singular talisman in the center of the park for Lester. And he's really at his best when he plays together with Jamie Vardy. They both are, they're grown men on a field, sometimes playing against boys and uh, new additions from various academies or promoted teams. And James Madison, when he hits a phrase you like to use purple patch, when the form, uh, ticks on and the fixtures match up with it. He's a player that's almost must own, but the Leicester fixtures to start the season are really choppy waters. So I think I'll be earmarking him for the stretch run from game week nine to game week 13, where they play some of the promoted teams and some weaker defenses, but I will not even be thinking about rash transferring him in until then. Yeah. I really like your thoughts about how he links up with Vardy. And Vardy is fit to start the season. So we, even though they have, some tough, they have some tough fixtures, they can score against anybody. And they've proven that over the last five years in the Premier League. So somebody to keep in mind. Uh, Kulu, we're just a bit worried about how he's possibly rotated with Richarlison, um, who was suspended for game week one, uh, which is also just like utter trash. I, I can't believe that the FA decide to assess him with a one game flipping ban at game week one of the next season when they really should have given it before Everton almost got relegated. So that that's some, uh, some interesting uh, workings. I don't know with the Liverpool influence in the FA, but anyway, we don't know how they're going to split minutes. We don't know how uh, he comes into the fold and where Kulu comes out. You know, I could see a lot of, 60 to 70 minute performances from Kulu. And therefore he's just not a player I want to start with at the beginning of the season. Kulusevsky is a player that there's just too many questions around for me to be confident about him starting out from everything I saw from him on the pitch. He deserves a spot in many FPL teams. I mean, he had five goals and eight assists in the same time frame that Luis Diaz had four goals and three assists. So, I mean, the guy is a real player and the only concern is that $50 million fee paid for Richarlison. And there's only so many spots for attackers in that Spurs starting lineup. So it's like, where are both those guys going to play? How are they going to break up? And the reality is Richarlison and Kulu really aren't fighting for the same spot because Richarlison 
hasn't really ever played on the right. So I think it's just an interesting dynamic to see how Conte is going to get the most out of both Kulisevsky, Son and Kane, as well as Richarlison. And that remains to be seen. Yeah, just playing devil's advocate here, even though he did have those eight assists, maybe three plus of them were just to Son scoring worldies. And obviously he's one of the most clinical players in the world, but you can't count on that for reliability for FPL returns. So just something to throw out there. And with uh, Richarlison coming into the fold, it's just another example of how deep these top Champions League um, bound teams are. Um, Paying 50 million to get a player that might not even start for you is kind of crazy, but he will be in a lot of these group stages. He'll provide depth. If Kane gets his ankle injury, is out for a few games, he can fill in in the nine. So just a, a solid signing that we'll talk about later, but you know, 50 million as a transfer fee is no longer uh, means that you're nailed to be starting. I mean, you look at Jack Relish languishing on the bench for man city. He's a player we're getting ready to talk about in a couple minutes. He was an hundred million dollar fee man and uh, Romelu Lukaku couldn't even keep a spot in the league. He's uh, bounced back to oh. Italy for some uh, wow. risotto and pasta and pizza uh, because he didn't want to actually play with the big boys in England. So uh, I think it's just good business. Again, they're going to have a lot more fixtures, a lot more real competitions to play in. And under Conte, Spurs have aspirations to actually finally win a trophy. I know one of our regular listeners, Andrew Steinberg, will be happy to hear us uh, shout out Spurs and trophy (laughs) in the same sentence. So uh, with that, we can go on to the next. A boy can dream. A boy can (laughs) dream. So shout out to Stein. I hope he is uh, tuning into this episode. All right, let's move on to the kind of messy middle price tier where we saw a lot of mids priced in the kind of 6.0 to 7.5 million pound bracket last season. This season, ugh, it is not very attractive as those guys got price increases to the 8.0 bracket. So let's start with a very intriguing player who had a tough time coming from the Bundesliga, Jaden Sancho at 7.5. What are your thoughts here on his potential to actually fulfill that price tag and that fee where he was really going to be their golden transfer and instead is overshadowed by the signing of Ronaldo last season? Listen, if you wanted to buy stock in Sancho, this is the time to do it. He's really shining in preseason under Eric Ten Hag's new kind of uh, motion and uh, running system. And I expect that he's going to be in massive form uh, going into this season. Uh, he definitely will not only be scoring three goals and three assists um, for the tune of 91 points. I'll be expecting at least 150 FPL points from Sancho this season. The issue Ooh, 150. is 150. That's, that's, that's what uh, Bruno had last year. 150 would be very impressive at 7.5. I think he's going to be the person uh, together with Martial, if Ronaldo decides to leave, that is going to benefit most uh, from the change of system. He's so fast and the guy is a fitness monster to his credit that he's going to really slot in great into this new change of system. So I have big expectations. And I think the Ericsson move, and as I mentioned earlier, the Bruno Fernandez through balls, the fact that he's going to probably nail down his place and be the guy that's chasing those through balls on a regular basis. He's going to have nothing but opportunity to prove himself in this new uh, kind of revised, uh, resuscitated, um, revamped United side. So uh, I think they have a lot to play for. And if he disappoints, he knows where he's going to be playing next season because it's going to be next door to both of us in the MLS. 
<laughs> okay, I mean, calm down with that. But he is only 22 years old. And uh, looking at his Wikipedia page, this is a part of the uh, description of him. Widely regarded as one of the best young players in the world, he is known for his trickery, game intelligence, pace, and use of feints in one-on-one situations. Boy, we did not see much of that last season. So if he comes through this season at 7.5, he could be a real steal. And I like that if he emerges as a pick, you will be able to move any of your 8.0 guys down to him, which is in one move that is huge. So uh, another um, another reason why you really need to have an 8.0 slot in your midfield to start game week one. Excellent, excellent point that you just made there about downgrading an 8 million midfielder to Sancho. Uh, the only fainting he was really doing last season was anytime Ronaldo pointed and yelled at him because the guy <laughs> wanted no part of that. Let's keep it moving. Damn, Bucks. Damn. Yeah, we're, we're, one, we throw shade. We, we throw shade at old Ronaldo, you know, five, 10 years ago, we would never do such a thing, but old Ronaldo. Yeah. He's a, uh, he's a barker. He, he, he has no, I the, love it. Medusa, I love it. Medusa's stare at, at Sancho a number of times when uh, they weren't connecting and linking up in the box. But again, 22 years old, huge wealth of potential. He was hiding behind Ole for some games. I mean, he was like, I don't want any part of uh, getting yelled at by our team's most proven player. All right, let's keep it moving uh, from one youngster to a veteran, and that's Philip Coutinho. He also comes in at $7 million. Um, Really appealing price for Coutinho if you are high on what Villa could have in store for us this season, or if you're just high in general, you know, don't want to discount that. He had five goals and three assists for 83 points uh, following his loan move back to Villa in the winter transfer window. And now he is a permanent Villa player. He is their talisman this season. I expect that Villa are going to have him nailed for minutes. Uh, I would say I expect him to be around 2,600 minutes at the end of the season, fitness permitting. And that means that there's going to be He's going to be the creative engine in the middle. And I think they're going to figure out the best team around him so that he can shine. So I like the price. I just think there are better players at slightly different prices around the 7 million mark. Honestly, I'm not sure how nailed Coutinho is. Obviously, he's a huge name in the Premier League after achieving a ton of success with Liverpool. I think he actually might be rotated more this season to keep his legs fresh with the likes of Buendia. So I thought Buendia played really well in the last quarter of the season last year and and Philip Coutinho, he fell off. I mean, he fell off a cliff big time. After the double game week in like 27, 28, he was non-existent. I think he finished the season with 10 straight blanks, two pointers every week. So just somebody to um, to keep an eye on, but I'm not as bullish on him as an FPL asset, especially given his, his fitness. So we'll see if that's improved over the offseason, but he is Gerard's boy and therefore could be uh, in our thoughts. And especially at this price tag, we're just looking for them to hit purple patches of form, matching up with some easy fixtures, and then we'll bring them in. 20% ownership worth mentioning. Let's keep it moving. Harvey Barnes is the one up next. He's also priced at $7 million. Barnes. And you know what? He's no James Madison, but the guy is no schlub either. He is a proven Premier League player. And uh, I think he actually, his stats, when we looked it up before this podcast, uh, exploded both of our brains. Uh, am I speaking out of turn here, Brian? My uh, brains are on the ceiling still. I could not believe that he tallied six goals and 12 FPL assists in a season Wild. where he Wild. really barely played any minutes from what I can remember. I think Braj just doesn't like him very much. Um, and he just consistently changes their formation between the front three and where 
he plays. Uh, he was rotating lineups with uh, Daka and Ian Nacho instead of having the uh, Barnes on the left wing. It, it was very confusing, but he is a player that, you know, at this price tag, especially if there's an injury or two in that lesser side and he becomes truly nailed, he could be very interesting. And I think he underperformed his XG last season. So uh, a player on the watch list potentially later in the season. 18 goal involvements. I can't tell you of any of those 18 goal involvements. I probably do not. None of them are memorable in an otherwise forgettable Leicester season, but between him and Madison, I mean, that's a really good midfield of proven premier league talents. And you know what, to save 1 million from Madison, I don't hate it as a differential pick. Uh, But again, Leicester have a challenging run of fixtures to start the season. So he's a skip for me. Um, as is the next guy who also failed to kind of land smoothly uh, in a new spot. That's Jack Relish, 7 million player on City now. And I think it's fair to say he starred more in the postseason celebrations than he did in the actual Man City Premier League campaign. Oh, um, man. That, what that, a legend. That lad, is, <laughs> that lad is still hammered. Man, he must have smoked like 18 cigars and then drank every single thing he could have out of the Premier League uh, Cup Holy crap. He was, he was a, a TikTok sensation during that parade and that like parade week, really. Yeah. Three goals, three assists. So he definitely uh, kind of took more from the celebrations than I think he actually gave to the, uh, the title winning campaign. Um, I think it's just really, this is a bet. If you think Relish is going to nail down the left wing spot uh, for city, He's a great price and someone who will likely price rise very quickly. He's only owned by 3% of the FPL community at this point in time. I personally don't see it. I think there are better options going forward. And City have so much of the ball that they don't really need a guy like Grealish to play heavy minutes and to be an every game week player uh, in their system. We do not see eye to eye here, Bucks. I am very bullish on Grealish's second season under Pep. I think that with the point man to pass the ball to and take people off the dribble and get it in the air, or pass it to Holland's feet, I think he could be an absolute steal this season. And he's a player that I think potential for 20 FPL returns this season, including 12 plus assists. So he's a player that I am very <laughs> much excited for. And when we look at Grealish. What's in that water you're drinking, Brian? I mean, it's a claw daddy for first is, of all. Is we're, that we're is that the uh, is here. that the it's crown a hot royal day in California? Is that the crown royal that Grealish brought to the celebration parade? Because you must be having some of what he's having. Look, when you try and get into Pep's mind sphere, and you break down the fact that they let both Jesus and Sterling leave, Grealish is going to come into their into their side very often and he's a hundred million pound player they're not just going to bring him on and, and play him 2000 minutes when he's the pride and joy of england's national squad as well i just think he's he's destined for a lot bigger things than what he showed last season so i am willing to put a bet of some sort bucks on his over under of fpl returns i'm going to say over 14 fpl returns this season would you like to take the under on this um, friendly wager and we'll put it on the board? Yeah, give me that. Give me that under. Grealish getting 14 FPL returns. How many of those are going to be goals, Brian? Let's let's go with the goals. I don't want to hear these total oh, FPL well, returns. Mean, 
No, 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 no. He's 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 a creator. He's not a goal scorer. So I'm going to put him. You think he's going to get double digit assists? Double digit assists. I'm, I'm thinking God. 11 or 12. 11 or 12 this season. So Bucks will put it on the board. I have the over. I have four. I'm sorry. I'm going to have 14 or over is is what I'm taking. So over under of 13. You're changing the bet on me. This is like I'm dealing with a Vegas uh, mob boss over here. All right, let's keep it moving. I'm taking under. 14. Hold on, hold so on. I get 14. Oh, you're taking or under, under. You're taking. You under. get 15 and over. That's how a bet right. works. Put Brian. it on the let's board. Keep it going. All right. Next up, Wilfred Zaha. This is a man who actually had a good season, as opposed to the lad we just discussed. He had his best ever performance with 14 goals and one assist. He's on penalty kicks. Is Crystal Palace's talisman whoever knows what the fuck that means going into this season where they look horrible and they can't beat <laughs> even bottom clubs in their preseason matches. But uh, Zaha is a proven player. And I think uh, Vieira really got the best out of Zaha as well as the rest of the Crystal Palace team. And it will be interesting to see how they perform this season without many reinforcements uh, to their existing club. Um, I guess the bet here is that their young middle field wingers are going to be healthy and therefore can really contribute. But I see them really suffering without Gallagher and without additional reinforcements to the club. With that being said, there are players behind him like Eze and Elise who are young and hungry for FPL minutes, and they could really help set up Zaha moving forward in that attack. So we'll see what happens. I think he's still nailed on pens because he is their talisman. And he has one of those voodoo death stares as well, that if uh, they were to give like IU or Benteke a pen instead of him, he would be fuming. So I think he's a a player that is underpriced. I think he should have came in at 7.5, given that he had 14 goals last season. So a player also to be considered when they're, uh, fixtures turn, but the the brutal part is the start of the season, right, Bucks? He he has terrible fixtures. The first four is Murderer's Row. He plays Arsenal at home for the opening match of the season. Then he gets Liverpool away at Anfield, Villa at home, followed by City away at Etihad. I want no part of any Crystal Palace players, at least until game week five. They might as well be a championship team uh, until then, because I will not be considering them whatsoever. All right, taking a look at another Manchester United player at 6.5, Marcus Rashford. Wow, 6.5 million for a player of his caliber. He's coming off of an absolutely dreadful campaign, and it's uh, sad to see him reduced to basically nothing in the FPL game. But if, again, Ronaldo leaves, 6.5 million for a player who plays um, very attacking football. He's got great speed if he stays healthy. What are your thoughts here under uh, Ten Hag as a 6.5 million pound asset? I think that Rashford is the most important player for Ten Hag to get in his pocket because if he can get Rashford back up and humming, he had 20 goals just two seasons ago. So I think that if he can get the most out of Rashford, the rest of the team is going to fall in behind him because he is the kind of player that you need maximal effort from. He can't be moping. And again, like Sancho, I think he really wilted the second that Ronaldo gave him kind of the uh, the evil eye. And I'm expecting big things. <laughs> and I think he's he's an interesting differential shout in midfield right now. And he's been playing really nicely in preseason. Uh, but again, all it's, right, all it's right. just, just, just to, to clarify, he had 20 goal involvements, not 20 goals. I, I was like, 
goals. Oh, I swear you said goals because I was like, holy crap, when did he um, fight for the golden boot? But 11 uh, yeah, goals, I think he's 11 goals, nine assists. So this guy can really do it. And uh, I think that if he's given the minutes, he's going to perform. It's just a question. There are only so many minutes to be had for Manchester United attackers. And yeah, I think if Ronaldo is going to be in this team, it's going to really hurt a lot of their FPL value. Totally agree. All right, JWP is a player that always picks along, but he is very boring to own. And he comes in at 6.5 million. He's one of the best set piece takers. He's on tons of corners, but then he also plays for a dreadful Southampton team who, you know, as soon as they're safe, they're historically the first team at the beach. Bucks, do you find any way that JWP makes his way into your side? Not to start the season for sure, because they have a tough uh, opening fixture run, but I could see if they're going up against a relegation, a recently relegated team, or excuse me, a recently promoted team, uh, maybe while I'm on free hit, he might make my side. Uh, I know I punted on him a couple of times after my second wild card and on free hit, but I just think that Southampton are at risk to be one of the three teams relegated this season. They are very low on talent, and uh, I don't rate having him as one of the midfield options. Yeah, he's, he's cheap as chips, but you can't predict when he gets his points, and that's the hardest thing. So he's like a player that a lot of the FPL community has discussed about just holding the entire season, but that 6.5, it's just comparing him to the likes of uh, like a VVD or a Reese James, they're just on different um, spheres for me. So let's uh, let's put him kind of on the back burner and talk about somebody who I'm very bullish on, which is Bruno Guimaraes. Bruno G for Newcastle. Yeah, he was another great winter transfer move. And I think he's directly responsible for keeping Newcastle in the Premier League. He had three of the most important goals of their season. And I just think that he's a better player when you watch him in real life than he gets credit for via the advanced stats. And he's a player that really is central to all the buildup play that Newcastle did at the end of last season and to their overall success heading into this coming season. So I think 6 million is probably underpriced by 0.5 million, but uh, I just think it's, he's, he's in a position where you don't know uh, how he's going to be involved with goal because he can be the assister. He can be the finisher. He he's just a very, very, very uh, cerebral player. And I rate him. Yeah. I think the biggest kind of story on him coming into the premier league was the fact that he was a box to box midfielder and would be associated with more defensive efforts. So it was surprising to see him crop up with a few big performances for Newcastle and I think, like you said, very intelligent, very savvy football player. He's coming to the prime of his career at an improved side. And at $6 million, we need some bargain guys to come into our side. So he's a player that uh, could definitely be up there with Gabriel Martinelli at that 6.0 range to start the season. They have three decent fixtures out of the first five, but then they also play Liverpool and I believe City. So that one's, that one's definitely tough. Um, but somebody that I have definitely tinkered with and has entered a few of my drafts. So if Callum Wilson or Chris Wood can actually bang in some goals, he could trickle his way to some very consistent points, not explosive, but consistent points in an improved side. Don't crown out Chris Wood. We have a bet on him as well. Next up is a player you just <laughs> met, mentioned. That's one Gabrielle Martinelli. 
one of the gang of Gabrielles that are assembling at Arsenal. They're trying to set up the Avengers this season, uh, the Gabrielle Avengers. Uh, you have to have that name to be included in consideration. Wow. wow. And I think I haven't, heard, I haven't heard that one yet, Bucks. That I was, just that was made it awful. right off the dome. I, right I'm, off the I'm dome. not impressed. I'm not impressed. <laughs> <laughs> I would say Martinelli for me is the best value pick of the bunch. And I think that's because I believe in Arsenal's attack. And I think that he is most likely to earn regular kind of attacking wing minutes uh, versus Himares, who's going to play more centrally. And I just think that he has such great upside. He's still a young player, six goals and six, six goals and six assists last season. Um, and I think they're only getting more attacking and more threatening. So I think there's going to be a lot more opportunity for Martinelli. And I think he's a steal at 6 million. If he starts, obviously they have some competition in that slot with Emil Smith bro who really did well for Arsenal in bench appearances and coming off for some timely goals. But I think Arteta rates Martinelli higher, and we saw him take a penalty kick at the end of the season in game week 38. He's also taken some uh, corners. So at 6.0, he could be some great value if you're especially going to pair him with Jesus instead of going with Saka and save that 2 million. So something to be mindful of. Uh, one last kind of group of players I want to talk to you and just mention would be the lads at Leeds. So Leeds have historically been a very attacking side, went through a ton of injuries last season, but we're seeing Rafinha, who was uh, somewhat of an FPL darling and just an overall great player to watch. He is ran off to Barcelona. So or Barcelona, if you're from the region, Bucks, we have two new players, um, Sinestra, I believe at 6.5, who is highly rated. They paid 30 million for him to come into the side under Marsh. And then also Jack Harrison, who is 6.0. So two players, again, we don't know what they're going to look like a whole off season with Marsh, but uh, Jack Harrison had, I believe, 15 to 18 FPL returns just two seasons ago. And this is a team, if Bamford could stay healthy, they could actually be the dynamic leads that we fell in love with in their opening season back in the Premier League. So Harrison was able to register eight goals and one assist in an otherwise forgettable lead season last year. The issue is there's just so much unknown about leads, how they're going to line up, how they're going to be fully fit. And I just don't trust anyone on their team for game week one or for the start of the season. They're going to be a wait and see for me, despite a relatively favorable opening stretch of fixtures. This Sinistera guy is highly rated. I watched a couple of YouTube clips of him, but I just think that they're losing so much in Rafinha and Calvin Phillips that uh, I just think they're basically, that's their whole spine of their team to not have Bamford. And now to not have uh, Rafinha and Calvin Phillips, uh, they're basically starting from step one. So I want to just see them put a competent product out on the field, and then I will consider them as FPL assets. Yeah. We'd love for them to be in our thoughts again, because they have an easy opening eight game weeks to play around with. So again, a team we need to see something from in preseason and also just in the start of the Premier League season. All right, Bucks, that caps off the messy middle, guys. We're going to go to the budget enablers after we take this break and we'll wrap up the pod. The content machine turns on. Let's talk about the budget enablers. Bucks, who are we starting with? We got the 5.5 to 4.5 bracket here. Let's take it from the top. 
So we closed on leads. Let's start with leads newest edition and a strong shout out to FPL USA and all the uh, fellow statesmen that we have over here. Brendan Aronson, uh, he looked really good in preseason. He's going to be an attacking uh, midfield player for them. 5.5 million. Uh, I think, again, wait and see on this player, but he has tremendous upside. He was purchased for a quite significant fee of around $30 million. Uh, so they have big expectations on the boots that he's going to fill um, in the middle of the park for Jesse Marsh and his Leeds club. So uh, he wouldn't be my pick, but uh, I can see him eventually earning uh, consideration on a watch list or whatnot. Yeah, I'll be honest. I did not ever watch him in the Bundesliga, but uh, Marsh's kind of journey to bring in more RB Leipzig players into the side is working. It's a pretty hefty fee, so they really must believe in the player and his potential. He'll be there for a number of years. And I think this is actually better just for the uh, statesmen who are really rooting for the upcoming World Cup and USA to get some more top-level experience. Great to see another um, you know, American in the premier league that we can root for. Let's yeah. keep it moving to guys that are still in the premier league. One, Anthony Gordon, he comes in at 5.5 million earns a well-deserved 1 million price bump after last season's performance. And he's also earned the number 10 shirt for Everton. So I think that's a big signal of the expectations that the club has and the role he is going to play uh, in their attack. And if history is any indicator Frank Lampard is going to do everything in his power, everything in his slightly rotund body to get the most out of one Anthony Gordon. And I think he's going to have every opportunity for minutes and for to go at goal uh, as they need some creativity in that side. I think Everton as a whole is a wait and see. We need to see what their attack looks like. They're, they were fighting for their lives to stay in the Premier League and not get relegated last season. I think also at this 5.5 slot is... Damari Gray, who is a player that we've seen in flashes play really well, and he's such a speedster. So it'll be interesting to see if he can actually step up. Um, he had five goals and four assists last season. So there was some value to be had in him when he was uh, hitting some good form. So two players to watch could be enablers down the line, but none of them top Pedro Neto coming in at 5.5. Very surprised to not see him at six. This is a player who has just oozes class when he is right and he is fit, but he was coming off a massive injury and did not play very minutes last season. So that's why he had the price reduction and he is a FPL Twitter darling bucks. I haven't seen him in any of your drafts. So tell it like it is. Well, I just don't rate wolves as an attacking unit. I already gave some slander against one Raul Jimenez. So I'll keep uh, my slander against one Pedro Neto brief. Uh, if wolves had even slightly more challenging fixtures, no one would be even brushing a shoulder or even uh, sniffing around Pedro Neto. It's really the fixtures you're betting that wolves are going to have a decent start to the season as they have a lot of the newly promoted teams, as well as a lot of bottom half matchups. So uh, it's really just a bet on him being a talented fixtures. enough player to get returns in those matches. Bucks, how old do you think Pedro Neto is? 25. He's only 22 years old. Wow. So hmm. he's a player, he's a player that could definitely continue to improve. And when he was That's 20, shocking. a couple seasons, a couple seasons ago, he had five goals and six assists in 30 matches. So he's a player that, again, I think the, the future of wolves really hinges on his 
development, then they're going to play him as much as they can, given that he's healthy and he's come back from this injury. So just a player that we think could really pop off. And again, when you have these budget enabler guys, like you, you're expecting a return. If you get a return every three games, once one in three games, you're going to be happy. And if he can come in with six to eight goals and you get some of those points in your team, it really helps uh, in the margins of your FPL team. So I understand why he's so attractive because of their opening fixtures and is a player that frankly, you have to consider in game week one when you're trying to fit in those premium wingbacks and, um, you know, again, some of the premium midfielders we talked about earlier on the pod. If Neto gets three attacking returns from those first eight fixtures, that would be like magisterial uh, output from him. I definitely, I think one and a half is like a good expectation to set. He's not so explosive. I'll take, I'll take the, I'll take the over all day. All, all day, right, I'll, I'll take the over. But I just wanted to say he's definitely their second uh, best attacking option, uh, one fit. So uh, I don't hate it, but again, Wolves. Uh, couldn't buy goals last season. So I think they might struggle to score this season as well. Let's keep it moving. Michael Olise from Palace. Uh, he was a player I really uh, bet on at some points in the FPL game last season. He had two returns for me and I much appreciated it. And then he had, I think, four or five blanks and I didn't as much appreciate that contribution. But he's very young and he was involved in the buildup to 40% of Palace's goals last season. This stat absolutely floored me uh, for a guy that was not, he didn't score that many goals. I mean, he had two goals and five assists. So the fact that he was somehow touched the ball leading to 40% of their goals was that that exploded my brain a little bit, but I think that speaks to the fact that he was healthy and palace were going through it uh, for a lot of the season. Uh, I think he's a good upside bet, but again, a stay away for the start of the season with the opening fixtures. Yeah. This is a player that could make a leap. He's only 20 years old. And I think he's solidified himself in their kind of next five year planning as one of their core players. So we expect to see him get a lot of run and, uh, working in partnership with Vieira, a young winger with great touch. He could definitely come into our thoughts. Another player is Jacob Ramsey, who was in both of our sides at various points of the season last year because he was 4.5. He sees a price rise to 5.5 off of six goals and one assist. So what are your thoughts here in the side for the villains? Ramsey is one of the players, which is making me question why so many players are all up in their business with Pedro Neto, because I think Ramsey is just flat out a better attacking player than Pedro Neto is. And my concern is with Ramsey that he's just, he's going to be fighting for minutes with a lot more guys than Pedro Neto is. He's not as established as a regular starter for Villa. And that's the only concern because when he plays, if he can lock up a spot, he can deliver. He's a young player. He had six goals and an assist last season when there were absolutely zero expectations. So I think that, you know, when there are slightly more expectations of Villa and they have a slightly stronger side, I could see him getting another six goals and maybe four assists campaign. And for a 5.5 midfielder, man, that would be smashing it. Yeah. I think the difference with Neto is that he plays an attacking winger spot, whereas Ramsey plays kind of a, a center attacking mid but he's going to be behind the likes of Coutinho because Coutinho doesn't have the um, the capacity to go box to box. Whereas Ramsey's a young lad, he's going to be able to 
track back on defense and also press for Gerard. So a player that I really don't think is going to be an FPL option this season because there's another player uh, who we'll talk about in a few minutes, uh, Leon Bailey, who I think is going to be better value in short spurts for this villains team. But staying in the 5.5 million pound bracket, let's talk about the Wissa Bucks. I've seen him in a few of your uh, DM drafts to me. Break down your love for the Wissa. The Wissa so let me native. say, if we have any Star Wars fans, Wissa think that you should bring him into your club because wow. I really wow. am Look at betting. <laughs> I'm betting on this Wissa guy. He had a spectacular second half of the season. He had seven goals. I'm sorry, Brian is just like absolutely in shambles. He's filled I'm, with I'm shame. I'm beside myself. I can't believe you just you just dropped the the like Jar Jar Binks voice. Oh, it's a great that was, that was pretty good. That's that was whole, pretty that, good. <laughs> I was thinking if I wasn't a Chelsea fan, I would consider making that maybe my team name this season. Um, anyway, he had seven goals and one assist. This guy is not a nobody. He is a real player, and I have very high expectations for Brentford coming into their second season in the Premier League. I expect that Brentford are going to be a top half of the table finisher when all thing is said and done. And that means that I think that Tony and Lisa and this other guy, we're going to discuss De Silva have a big part to play potentially in FPL as well. So uh, right now I am, this is my differential choice right now. Everyone seems to be on the Neto uh, bandwagon and I am just uh, quietly over here in my corner uh, with one Yohan Wisa. So me and him, uh, Wisa be okay over here in the corner. Just us two. Yeah, you're 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 quiet in the corner trying to think of these puns to, to put on the pod. But uh, player <laughs> seven goals is is nothing to sniff at. I mean, I think there are a lot of Chelsea attackers last season that we wish had seven goals, but he's yeah, a player we, we saw we, we saw they had seven goals. Don't all right, all right, calm the f down. That's that's enough. Uh, it's that's getting enough late and hot here in oh, New York goodness. in my air conditioning <laughs> off apartment. Let's keep it moving. Anthony Alanga is at 5 million. He's another young United player who, if given the opportunity, stands to potentially flourish. Uh, we saw him really have some opportunities alongside Ronaldo where he looked the part, but it was always a tough fit because uh, he's just so young and raw and really his best uh, ability is his speed and his willingness to kind of chase. Whereas, you know, Ronaldo is looking for a more proven and clinical finisher. Um, one quick thing that I did want to shout out in researching Anthony Alanga, he is Swedish. Is there a more bizarre nationality that you would have guessed for Anthony Alanga? Holy cannoli. We're getting weird here. Yeah. Not going to lie. Don't know anything about his origin story, but 20 years old, he could come into our thoughts at some point. Uh, we just have no idea what this final product is going to look like, but those young legs are going to be needed under uh, Ten Hag. So uh, Ten Hag, excuse me. Um, but five million, yeah, could be worth a punt. But the, the longer is no gaining. Jedi the way that Wisa is. Uh, let's keep it moving. One Leon Bailey is up next. He's priced at five million, and right now he is all the talk in FPL Twitter. I mean. That's right. You could, you could just fall into a Leon Bailey reference, uh, just you know, updating your timeline because he is so hot to trot. Five million, a proven Bundesliga player who really failed to launch last season due to injury and playing time. And yeah, I just think he could be a really exceptional value if he gets regular minutes. The question is, 
is he going to get playing time? Because Villa is loaded with young talent in that midfield and they're all competing for spot. I mean, they use some of the Grealish money to sign Ings and also sign Bailey last season. And uh, he's a player that. And Buendia. And Buendia. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he came off of a Bundesliga return where he had, I think, 17 attacking returns, 17 or 18. So he's a player that. Again, he, he really can be quite explosive and he makes a few shifty moves that uh, some of their other attackers aren't able to make. It'll be interesting to see if he can nail down a spot. He's the type of player that I think you will have in your side in spurts as an enabler. And then maybe, again, you, you come in and you maybe rotate him with a 4.5 defender. He's not a player I want to start every match, but if he does lock down a starting spot, oh, $5 million, for a player who really does have brace potential in him, unlike the rest of these folks on this list, that could be really appealing. And he was a 35 million pound transfer. So he, he really is a player that is rated very highly on transfer market. Listen, it's a good shout. He only had one goal involvement all of last season. So I think uh, expectations might be getting ahead of themselves at this point in time. Let's go to the truth. Hold on. I'm seeing, I'm seeing one goal, two assists. So that's oh, three no. bucks. Give, give him some credit. All right. Timo Werner had like four times as many. Are we giving him any credit? I don't think so. All right. Let's get to the end of the podcast. Well, Two he's like guys. 60 million. He's like oh, 60 million pounds. Uh, and he's yeah, on yeah, like yeah, top yeah, 14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> all right. Next up is the true budget all-stars. That is I think it goes too deep. Uh, I think if you're going even beyond these two guys, you're doing a little too much. Uh, the first name is Andreas Pereira. He is a United player that now has completed a loan move to Fulham. And I expect he's going to be the most popular budget option in the game. He's 4.5 million. He is going to be, uh, I don't know if you can say a newly promoted team has a true midfield talisman, but that's what Pereira is going to play for Fulham. He's going to be the engine of their attack feeding into Mitrovic, uh, who's going to be playing mostly in the attacking box. He's nailed for minutes and is potentially going to have some set pieces. So he's an easy fifth midfielder set and forget him on your bench and be happy if they gets the occasional return um, when he has to sub into your uh, starting 11, but he's a great budget enabler and he's going to be uh, set and forget for regular minutes and regular opportunities for full, whatever that means. Yeah. We, we, we love when we kind of uh, bench fodder guy on a top, six club move to a bottom basement team and instantly get minutes. And, you know, he's got some, he possesses some level of quality to make that that top six team. So we're excited to have him at 4.5. And uh, for all those managers, managers in the four, four, two formation, he is your fifth midfielder uh, bar none, but we are supposed to talk about Josh De Silva as well, who is a player that uh, is coming into Brentford and showing some, promise in the championship. I don't know much about him, Buck, so I'll let you take it away. So De Silva, the reason he's on this list is all about upside. He was given the number 10 shirt uh, when they had Tony, when they had Mbomo, when they had a lot of these guys, including my boy, Johan Wiesa. So the coach, the club really rates De Silva and his creative uh, abilities and his talent. He was injured 75% of last season. So he didn't really get to uh, make an imprint on the premier league, but this guy was lights out in the championship and is being seen in preseason as one of the guys who is going to feature heavily for Brentford this season. And so 
I just rate that again, Brentford are going to be good. So I think that De Silva is probably, uh, you know, I think Brentford are going to finish well above the table from Fulham. So it's kind of just a little bit of a differential in a position where it doesn't really cost you anything to take a little bit of a risk. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So we'll definitely watch, um, watch for him. I mean, they need a little more creativity in the midfield and if he's going to be taking some corners and uh, playing on a side that has a really nice run from game weeks two to game weeks like 12, he could be a great option on your first wild card. Uh, the only other player I wanted to shout out here who we're potentially going to see a move from, we don't know, is Carney Chukawameka. He is a 4.5 midfielder on uh, Villa. I know I probably butchered his name, but he did captain the U19 teams uh, for England, and he had three goals and two assists in five wow. matches. And so he's a player that uh, I most recently saw that there's some rumors about him being worth 20 million pounds and might want to see an exit because of the depth that they have right now at Villa in those other young slots in the midfield. So if he's a player that moves to a, a side in the Premier League at 4.5 million, he's uh, one to watch over the next couple of weeks uh, because of his upside. And he's 18 years old. So uh, somebody that's you know, we don't know if he can really prove it on the Premier League s- scale yet, but um, you know, just wanted to give him a shout out too. All right. That wraps up all the players we're going to cover. This is why you listen to the FPL Blues podcast. You get some sports bets, some uh, some Chumbawamba references, some Star Wars references, <laughs> some shithousery. We bring it all here. Thank you, Brian. A great podcast. Thank you to everyone who's listening uh, to our podcast on the regular. Subscribe. Follow us on any of your preferred podcast feeds. Follow us on social media. We're making a big push on Twitter this season, and we are also on Instagram in a big way, at FPL Blues Podcast. Thanks for the listen, everyone, and we look forward to getting into the forwards on our next episode. Don't forget to join our free mini league using code 4 M-U-M-S-2, 4MUMS2. We'd love to have you in our mini league this season. There'll be shout outs on the pod for the top managers of game week. And there'll be some prizes as well. We're excited to keep this thing growing and we have sent some cool trophies to the winners from last season. So hoping you can join us and again, free to play and some prizes and hopefully you can beat bucks every week. Hey, listen, invite your mates, invite your moms. Everyone's welcome. And it's going to be a great season. We're excited to get it kicked off in just under three weeks time. Thank you again. And we'll see you on the next episode. The the midnight madness for uh, midfield mania is finally over, Bucks. You crushed this episode. Go forth, my son. Go into the night. (laughs) 